I'm not sure if you can hear that in the background or not. My cat messing around in his litter box as soon as I try to do this intro. Welcome to a special edition of the Bacon and Ace podcast, part one of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, a podcast. <laughs> Is that a long enough title? Uh, thank you guys for listening. Every once in a while when something special comes up and uh, it's... This is actually about a month after this this movie has come out, but I finally got around to getting this first part of this podcast together with a couple friends of mine. Uh, OnItSideStudios.com is where you can find podcasts like this, as well as The Rent is Due, The Watchers on the Couch, and The High Files featuring Mr. Jordan Wakefield, who you will hear at the end of this podcast. I'm not sure if you can still hear that or not, but Ash is definitely going to town on that cat letter. Love to see you guys at my last Thor Hammer show, which is coming up Saturday, January 14th at Foo Bar, downtown St. Louis. We have an extended set as well. We have a couple surprises in store for you that we've never done before. Appreciate all your guys' support over the years. In the uh, in the interest of supporting, if you could go to iTunes or wherever you're uh, wherever you listen to podcasts at, and go ahead and rate and review this podcast, it helps people find us. Thank you for listening. On to the Star Wars talk. Tim, start that team. Welcome to another episode of the Bacon and Nays podcast. <laughs> I don't know uh, when this is going to air. I, I kind of wanted to do this one a little bit earlier because uh, Rogue One just came out and it feels timely that we should talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it has already been a couple of weeks. So I'm like, damn it, when are we going to get to talk about that on the air? But here we are. Maybe it should be a bonus episode. Yeah, I mean, it could go out any time. We make the rules around here at Onyxist Studios, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> right, cat? There's yeah. a cat. <laughs> wow. He's asleep. Yeah. That's weird that he meows when he's asleep. Well, you know, he's dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to the show, guys. Tim and Sarah are here. Hey. 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 <laughs> We are, uh, of course, we are all Star Wars fans, and we are super pumped that we finally get to talk about it. Rogue One, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. <laughs> That's what it's called. That's the official That's title. The official subtitle title. And, Star um, Wars colon Rogue One colon a Star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> so many colons. Uh, I'm very. Uh, I'm very happy that I'm here with you guys to talk about the movie, and let's just fucking dive right in. And uh, this is going to be spoiler-filled, by the way, so if you have not seen it, please do not listen to this or until you have. Or do whatever you want. If you want to, sp- listen, to spoil, listen, uh, you know, you live your own life, say. you live your own <laughs> life, but this is going to be less good than the movie, so... <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> it could be just as good, if not better. Well, that remains to be seen, so let's get it started, All shall right. we? kind of depends on which person at the table you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's let's go ahead and start this thing. Uh, differences right at the top. No crawl, as is traditional right. in uh, all Star Wars movies before this. Um, not J.J. directing. Mm-hmm. Uh the director is, damn it, Gareth Edwards. Okay. Uh, let's see. 
Also, another difference, uh, not the first Star Wars movie to not be scored by John Williams. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, um, you know, I think he did a pretty good job bringing in of, some of the themes. I think, yeah, I think it was pretty well emulated that yeah, it was... right. It, it felt like Star Wars music. Yeah, and it, it fit the movie well. I I wouldn't have been able to tell that it wasn't John, John yeah, Williams. Right. Um, this is a fun little tidbit for you to start things that off. That is fun. <laughs> uh, so, Tim, starting with a positive. Because <laughs> we have had a conversation previously to this. And to be fair, I did tell you that it was a really good movie. Yes, you did. Uh, just, I know you have some gripes, and we're going to get to those. All right. Uh, let's start. Uh, let's Well, let's move into... Uh, Notable characters from the movie. We're not going to go through all the characters because there's a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jin Ursu is the uh, main female protagonist of the movie. Mm-hmm. Played by Felicity Jones. Um, for some reason, the entire movie, she reminded me of Katie Couric. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like her face. Oh. I don't know why. And yeah, I don't know why either. They don't look alike. I don't I I thought they did for a long huh. time. So um maybe still do a little bit. So since this is the since this is the notable characters yeah. uh section, yeah. I just want to say not notable. Not notable. No. Well, I mean, she's the main character. She's not notable. All right. Wow. Here's well, the why th- do you say that? She is she's not notable in the same way that Luke is not notable in the first movie. Okay. They have, there's no, there's no real, it, it takes all three movies for Luke to be Luke. Yeah. To get the full spectrum of his character. And you don't, you don't get that in this movie. It's like if Star Wars was only one movie, Luke would not be your favorite character yeah. in the movie. And um, I think that goes for a lot of these characters is that it's, uh, you only get the one movie with them mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of setup for any of these characters really. Right. Uh, and you only get really attached to maybe one of them, and it's not even a human. <laughs> so, uh, we're, but moving forward, uh, before we get too caught up, uh, Diego Luna plays a character, as previously mentioned, that doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> uh, Cassian Andor? Yep. He's, uh, the male kind of counterpart to her. Yep. Uh, is largely just the rebels lackey, and um, you know he is important in one of the final scenes, and just shows up out of nowhere to help her. Yeah. But besides that, he kind of doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Right. Like you don't really care what happens to him. Um. There's the sniping thing where he's gonna snipe her father. Right. He's- he added drama during the movie. I feel like his character added a lot of like, it added a lot of like, oh, is he? Will he? Won't he? Is he yeah. Is he on her side? Is he against her? You know, that kind of thing. There's like that. that back yeah. and forth. But besides that, yeah. Who gives a shit? I just don't, I didn't care about him. Uh, you know what I mean? And that's another thing like Tim was mentioning is like these characters are not super fleshed out. Th- right. Those those two characters in particular, actually, he's fleshed out. They just don't do anything with it. Yeah. Because my thing with Cassian is I really I really like this take on this is one of the things I did like about the movie. In the core Star Wars movies, like the actual Star Wars saga, you think of the Empire as this megalomaniac empire and the rebels are these people fighting for freedom, nothing but like goodness and justice and things like that. And this shows that that's not the case. Like mm-hmm. they are, they are like you see his first scene. He shoots an informant in the back, right? And he and he admits he's done horrible things in the name of the rebellion. That is a great thing that they could have capitalized on and like shown more of. More, flaws. yeah. And it was surprising. Like you don't see that coming at all. But if you, if you, intellectually, if you think about it, yeah, that would be what it's like mm-hmm. in real. Like this is like a more real. "Quote unquote Star Wars," movie. yeah, gritty and um, not as much space wizardry. Yeah, realistic uh, kind of war, warlike uh, storyline. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they, uh, uh, if you're an under in an underground fighting group, you're gonna have to do stuff like that. It's kill or be killed. You it, know what I mean? It so, opened up something that they could have expanded on. That the way the movie ended, they closed the door. For. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Next character that I wanted to mention, and I'm not sure if this is how you pronounce it, but Bodai Rook, which is uh, 
a co-pilot character sent by Jin's dad to pass along Death Star plans. Mm. Uh, he looks like Chris Kattan with a goatee. That's <laughs> that was first thoughts. Wow. That's that was in my first thoughts. <laughs> Trying to remember what he looks like. Well, like I said, he Chris, like Chris Kattan with, with a goatee. goatee yeah. I remember Chris Kattan looking more. Well, I keep getting Chris Kattan mixed up. He has like it. a slender face. Uh, I don't know, man. You just it, you'd have to see his face. Night at the Roxbury. Yes, he's on SNL for a every long time. time. I, every time I try to think of his face, I'm getting it replaced with Jimmy Fallon's. Yeah, what? I know they don't look alike, but uh, like, I'm trying to picture him, and I'm picturing Jimmy Fallon, and my brain won't. Are you stop trying it. to think of Chris Kattan? Or are you trying to think of the the, the band who? Like, it would help if I can picture Chris Kattan first, and then try to picture the pilot instead of trying to picture he's, Jimmy Fallon as the pilot. He's actually Will Ferrell's counterpart in the in the sketch where he. Uh, they nod their heads okay. to the techno music right, as well. Right, yeah. yeah. She showed me a picture. Yeah, they do look a little uh, similar. Yeah. But that I kind of liked this character a little bit later, or uh, maybe towards the middle of the movie, when he gets his mind back after that creature kind of messes him up. Also, he gets his mind back way too fast. He does, yeah. He. That, I don't know if... I don't know if, it, like... They were trying to say that what's his name sparked his memory. You know what I mean when they're when he's when they're locked up in that mm-hmm. little prison sort of area. But uh, it was a three-hour movie. I mean, how it was long? Two hours. Hour. Like, oh, I'm sorry. It only yeah. felt like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I well, we may disagree on that. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. So <laughs> I thoroughly en- well, we'll get into it. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie until the third act. Right. Uh, let's see. Cheered Emily, which is a name you maybe hear once. <laughs> so. And like I said, not well established. But uh, he's the blind uh, Asian character. Great character. Uh, yeah, uh, reminded me yeah, of. Um, he reminded me of the Native American actor from Young Guns. <laughs> I don't know why. He's oh. He yeah, also hosts um, some weird obscure History Channel show. Not Daniel Day Lewis. What the hell is his name? No, um, it's a Native American sounding name. Um, quick editor's note here. The name we were trying to think of is Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. Back to the show. Shoot. This is bad podcasting. This but, is. But but he's a, a really cool character. He uses a staff. Uh, super well known in, uh, in Asian uh, action movies. And they brought him over for this. They tried to get Jet Li for this role, but he wanted too much money. So, Man, uh, you like you take less money to be in Star Wars. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're Jet Li, you don't. <laughs> I, I heard somebody on a podcast gripe about his staff that he uses to fight with. Uh-huh. What were they griping about? Well, they, they think because like they've seen his other movies and know that he can fight really well, like hand and fist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were griping about him using the weapon, but the weapon like makes those fight scenes cooler. And well, here's the and other. He's blind, so it kind of works. It, as a yeah, it, go, it goes too. hand in hand with yeah. him being blind. Yeah. And they basically alluded to the fact that he used to be a Jedi. Yeah, they're kind of the uh, the keepers of the lore of Jedi or something like that, right? What, yeah. I can't remember what they call them. I don't think he used to be a Jedi. He was just like he believed that he had the Force. I feel like he used to be a Jedi. Or was a descendant of Jedi or something like that? Maybe. Yeah. I don't. I mean, this he, is all. He, I, he, I, he's I at the time of this movie. He should be old enough that he could have been a Jedi. Yeah, for sure. I think. Yeah, but that wasn't ever said in the movie. So, or is that, is that speculation, or was that something that I missed? I feel like it was implied. They call like they're part of a group of. Um, People that they, still believe in the force and like, I mean, well, yeah, it's, they're I mean, they're protecting on, the. They're supposed to be protecting whatever yeah, crystals the or temple. whatever the temple. The yeah. I mean, they're on Jeddah, so I feel like it's, and the, he maybe maybe not like a traditional like Jedi that you'd expect to see on Coruscant or something like that, but like somebody who's tr- at least Jedi trained. This reminded me of another thing, which is that when they're getting ready to go on the on the mission, the like. Later in the movie, uh, over the loudspeakers at the Rebel base, it's like, the Force is with you. And I don't think that it was a thing that, like, everybody believed in. You know what I'm saying? Like, the... I don't know if the Rebellion, like, that's their official beliefs, is that they believe in the Force or not? No, I think it is. It is? Yeah, because they do the... Because I think they did that in, uh... A New Hope. 
I, that just struck me as weird that they would say it over the loudspeaker. Yeah. They, they mention it. They they mention the Force in okay. New Hope. All right. Fair enough. Well, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them knew the Jedi. Yeah. Like, I mean, Jimmy Smith's character. Right, right, right. That's right. He's still around. So. Yeah. Yeah, and but a lot of those characters. I mean, like even like Yen, she wouldn't Yen, Jen, Jen. She yeah. wouldn't have been old enough to remember the Jedi. You know, like yeah. like they would have been gone before she was even born. Mm-hmm. So like there were a lot of people that were her age that were around. So why would she would believe? It's I don't know. She doesn't. Well, she doesn't necessarily believe in the Force. Okay. Unless unless she was raised with it, and it's just not implied. Because I remember reading something that in the first draft of the story, Jin's mother was a Jedi. Oh. Oh, yeah. They scrapped that, They scrapped she that. dies pretty much immediately. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. Uh, next character, uh, also probably going to super nail this pronunciation, mm-hmm. Baze Malbus mm-hmm. is the uh, Asian kind of badass character who piles around with Chira Inwe. He has a big uh, automatic blaster, and uh, I think he became cooler as the movie went on, but he's sort of underwhelming at first and doesn't do a whole lot. I actually think that the pair worked well together. Yeah. And, and um, you know, they both have one-liners, and they mm-hmm. go off, they feed off of yeah, each they other. Work together. So, really well. uh, I've heard it implied that these may be the first gay characters in a Star Wars movie. Now that is not said outright, but uh, well, maybe it they, could be inferred. You they know definitely what I mean? loved each other. Yeah, they definitely cared about each other. If not, if not in a in a romantic way, at least in a brotherly way. Yeah, and there's a feeling that like they've been together through yeah. a lot of shit for a long time. Yeah. Well, to be know. fair, in 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 Star Wars, brotherly love means you can still kiss your sister. <laughs> ah, yes, it does. <laughs> 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 um. Yeah, but like I said, uh, really, I enjoyed his character as the movie went on, especially towards the end. Uh, my favorite character's next, K2SO, or K2 for short, which oh, is yeah. an unfortunate uh, shortened nickname, K2, uh, because that's that drug that everybody's been passing out oh. on in St. Louis. Oh. Sorry, nobody got that. No, sorry, I had no idea. We're, we're not up on our uh, street drugs. Like yeah. 300 or something people... Maybe that's a huge exaggeration, but it was all over the post dispatch and stuff about down by Larry Rice's um, homeless shelter downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, other homeless people selling this uh, synthetic marijuana, oh, and it was like laced or something with chemicals and making people pass out and uh, <sighs> go psycho. But yeah, like I said, in- unfortunate coincidence that that was in the news the same week the Star Wars came right. out. Listen, St. Louis, like I don't, I don't normally get political on podcasts, but get your shit together and legalize marijuana <laughs> so we don't have to sell synthetic right. shit that kills people. Uh, K two though is the true traditional uh, comedic droid role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's snarky, voiced by Alan Tudyk, right of Firefly. Uh, also dodgeball, also dodgeball, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An underdog story. Most most people most people listening to a Star Wars related podcast probably know Firefly right. better than Dodgeball. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, K two is probably my favorite character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Somebody I work with hated K two. Really? Yeah. He why? Said, he said, and I quote, "I hated that fucking droid." I don't know why. Because I guess he doesn't like joy in his he life. He doesn't like quips. <laughs> that might be it. That actually might be it. <laughs> Well, I could. I don't know if you're not into that style of humor, but I, I found his snarkiness refreshing, and uh, I, I was the most attached to his character. It's a wonderful change of pace from C-3PO. Totally. Uh, yeah, he's like C-3PO, but not a little bitch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a great way to describe it, yeah. Also, I'm, I'm going to try not to rail on this movie too much okay. because I did like the movie. Oh, really? Well, it's good to have a good, a rounded uh, perspective. So, watched, like, if you have, I would, I'll counterpoint you if I think it's. Uh, well, I analyzed this movie from three different angles. Yeah. I analyzed it as somebody who was a longtime Star Wars fan. Right. I analyzed it as somebody who just enjoys seeing movies, mm-hmm. and I analyzed it as somebody who was seeing Star Wars for the first time. Okay, like this would be their introduction. Yeah. Like as so like a legitimate. Prequel. How can you do that? How can you do that internally? Like see it from those three different perspectives. Well, afterwards you think about afterwards it. Afterwards I think about it. 
Yeah. As yeah, as you're watching, I just kind of get sucked in and yeah. have to. And the, I was going to mention. Yeah, upon, I, got, I got more pissed off in the days after seeing the movie than I did when I saw that. Upon movie. first watch, my brain kept wanting to jump in all kinds of directions, like think about the lines too much and think about the scenes too, and like mm-hmm. and. That's maybe a problem with this movie is like there's so much expanded universe surrounding it mm-hmm. that at least for me how I think about stuff my brain wants to shoot in all these directions and think about everything maybe a little too much instead of just taking the movie in so I saw it again as a responsible Star Wars <laughs> fan should and uh, but Tim probably going to disagree because he didn't like it as much as I No what I was going to say is going back to my point like before I uh I clarified how I watched the movie yeah. or how I analyzed the movie afterwards. In all instances of seeing the movie, R two D two and C three PO completely worthless in this movie. <laughs> like it was there. I think there was a lot of movie making jack offery going on. Like, uh, I think there. I think there was a lot of like masturbatory um, additions to the movie. The fan service, be there. yeah. So, um, like a lot of nudge, nudge. Look what we did here. Well, that I, didn't look, add anything they, to the story. They did a lot of that with Force Awakens too, and I think like that's going to be a thing that is going to have to happen. I think th- it didn't affect me in Force Awakens as much as it did in this movie, yeah. because of the difference of seeing. Because a lot of people say like Rogue One is the superior movie, and a lot of people don't like the Force Awakens. I thought Force Awakens was a better Star Wars movie mm-hmm. than Rogue One. Uh, well, and, and that Rogue One is a better cinematic, a, a better cinematic movie. Like if you're just going to go see a star, uh, a, a sci-fi movie, yeah, this is a better movie, a better action movie too. Yes, Rogue One is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally agree with that sentiment for sure. Um, and I think like a lot of that has to do with not getting that much of these characters. You get them for two hours, and that's all you that, get of them. I think that's very much true. Yeah, uh, it doesn't help. That's for sure. Uh, but. Next thing I wanted to mention was the strange uh, CG bringing back actors. Before that have been you, before you get on that, you mentioned uh, we were talking about notable characters. Sure, and you didn't mention uh, what's his face with the lazy eye. Oh, what's his name? Oh yeah, um, I'm <laughs> blank when because every time blank. I get on mic, I blank on people's right. names. Uh, I thought Forrest, that Forrest Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker is Saw Guerrero, Guerrero, Saw Guerrero, probably Saw Guerrero. I think Guerrera? it is. Yeah. Okay. Probably uh, the best character that Star Wars has made that they completely didn't do anything with. Yeah, that was really weird. It was, seemed so. It seemed so short and like you didn't really get. I wanted more of him. Well, he was for in his couple scenes. He was Forrest Whitakering his ass off. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> he, he was a little overacting. Uh, but you know, in the context of what his character is supposed to be, mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense for him to be a little eccentric or whatever. That, mm-hmm. That's what's great about the the eccentric, overly yeah. paranoid kind of war hero yeah. for the rebellion. It would have been good to see more of him, and he should have made it to the third act. I think being in such a, a, a crazy environment for so long, being so entrenched in this war, has sort of warped his mind a little bit. I think that's kind of what he's going for there, but I—that's that's all conjecture. Yeah, I don't but know. I mean, still, like the the way his character works, and then the "I'm not going to run anymore" from this big explosion that's going to kill you. That's not—it yeah. it didn't seem like a in character way to handle that. Yeah, um, you'd think he'd like go off so he could retaliate. And, you know, and I think, but I think that if he was in towards the end of the movie maybe that was he would be maybe shooed in a little bit you know what I'm saying he maybe could have made it to the second act well I thought he was in the second act and then and then just before the third is where he he bites the bullet I consider the second act when they're all together and they're going after her father okay the first act is all the the first act is is too much of jumping around from place to place yeah I could have done without that. Um, there's because there's a lot of scenes like Jin's on this planet now. Jin's on this planet now. Jin's on this planet where right. she's going to be for a while. It's like, well, why are you showing these two things? Because they don't matter. We didn't need to see her in a truck here if you're going to show her in a truck here. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, they did a little bit of extra. Um, 
clarifying where people were. Mm-hmm. Like they at, at the bottom of the screen, it, which is the first time they did this as well. Yeah, so they said the name or the of the planet or the moon that they were on, which I found extremely helpful because I said, like I said, my mind's going in a bunch of different directions. Mm-hmm. You you actually forget what characters are named in this movie oh, yeah. by the end of it. You don't remember what people's names are. Which you know that speaks to what Tim's point is really is like there's it's I not, only, yeah I only could remember the main two characters it was and, a struggle to remember the planet the names too even though they put them on there but as the story was progressing it helped me to know mm-hmm. you know what I mean and uh, very clarified is like e- and each planet or moon has its own kind of environment you know what I mean mm-hmm. like uh, separate from the other ones so it's easier to keep track that way this uh this movie would have been better off taking the money they spent on it and making a season of an episode on a cable network I would watch it I know I would watch it so. because uh, you get what you get they'd be able to not be so jumpy with the story flesh yeah. out the characters anymore and you could still have the same ending you have and not feel well I felt like this was a I, I, I thought the whole ending was stupid yeah well we'll get to that <laughs> we'll get to that for sure uh, the other things I wanted to mention was like I said, the strange CG bringing back Moff Tarkin. Uh, they he they did a good job with it. If you weren't, if I wasn't the age I am now and so knowledgeable in movies and stuff, if I was a kid, mm-hmm. I would not know. It took me. I didn't know. You didn't know. No. Well, that's an interesting perspective you have then. Well, I didn't, I didn't watch Star Wars as a kid. I watched yeah, but, it recently. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah and, right. and here's the thing. So, like, it, as as I'm watching this, I'm just like, oh, they found somebody that really looks like. Yeah. You know, it didn't look fake to me at all. It didn't look fake to me at first. I did. I didn't realize the the entire when I saw because I, I actually thought Tarkin was very well done. Whoever they got to do the voice. Did an amazing job. Yeah, totally. I literally thought in the first scene when they showed him, excuse me, that they got Michael Fassbender in makeup and then they did some digital stuff on top of that. Yeah. Uh, Because you see that lower jawline, it's like, he looks like Michael Fassbender. The only thing that gives it away for me is Is like talking. Yeah, the tiny facial tics whenever somebody's talking and I just put my hand in front of the mic, so Mm -hmm. that was weird. (laughs) Bad podcasting. Uh, Yeah, but I think. I think I could tell because going in, I already know it isn't him. And that combined with small facial tics when somebody's talking or looking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big part of acting. It's in the face and the eyes. Yeah. You they know what I mean? They didn't make him look old enough either. Because this takes place uh, like right before A New Hope. And he, he they, they could have aged him a little more to mm-hmm. look like Peter Cushing in, yeah. the, in A New Hope. Uh but I, I, actually, I agree with that. I also saw a lot. Of, I saw a lot of people on online complaining about Tarkin and how he looks fake and how they just shouldn't have had Tarkin at all. I disagree. I think Tarkin looked good enough, and I think him being there and having like the voice and how it ties into the how it ties into the first Star Wars movie. I think that actually makes the movie. It certainly strengthened it. I think that this story doesn't work without Tarkin. I agree. I mean, especially when and the next I'm, character I wanted to mention was the uh, the Krennic character, the chief, the the main villain. Yeah, like I didn't think he was very strong of a villain. He didn't seem like menacing or anything like that. Like we know of the Empire, he's he's like your he's like your asshole boss. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he was. He was like, I want credit for this. Yeah. And uh, I worked hard for this. Yeah, I've had I've had product managers that the remind only, me of this guy. That's what I'm saying. And the only scenes that really matter with him as well are uh, him getting force choked by Vader uh, because Vader's in the scene with him, pretty much. And uh, and one of the final scenes, of course. Uh, but I just I I didn't feel. He's in the opening scene as well. Yes. I didn't. I didn't feel. He's got. He's got a decent amount in that movie yeah. going on. I just didn't like. I just. I, for whatever reason, didn't care for that character. Maybe it was the acting. Maybe whatever. Uh, just I didn't feel like it was strong enough to be a villain in Star Wars. I think there's other there's other antagonists. I didn't think of him as a villain so much as just like some asshole that just wanted credit for whatever. He was just like power hungry. Well, yeah. that's what makes. I think that's what I think him being the antagonist of this movie is another thing that makes this movie more real, 
quote unquote than other Star Wars movies. Okay. Because like this whole like nobody like thinks of themselves as evil. Right. Like the Empire like people that work for the Empire don't think that they're evil people. Right. They exactly. believe in the stability and whatever and order that the Empire brings. It's only the jackasses up top that are like, oh, the dark side of the force. Blah 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 blah. But nobody's <laughs> like nobody like sets out to be evil or like even claims to be evil nobody claims that they're the villain except like the people that are on the full Do you think dark, dark side even claims to be evil i think eventually he understands that he is he's he doesn't on, he's on the wrong side he, of it yeah i mean he i mean he knows that he knows he's seduced and he's like basically a pawn of the emperor mm-hmm. yeah which I don't understand his motives. Well, I think Vader's motives. No, the Empire's motives. The the ultimate. Well, the Empire. The ultimate is to rule the galaxy. But the dark side of the Force is uh, is driven by being immortal. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like embracing the dark side of the Force. The is the is the. It's the it ultimate gives you the, form of power, right? The ultimate form of power, and therefore. Let's them live longer right. and be. It's sexy. Be yeah, and being a ruler <laughs> Cause, forever. Because when I think of Emperor Palpatine, I think sexy. Not no. Not only being a ruler of the galaxy, but being a ruler no. of the galaxy forever. The perks are attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's what I meant when I said that. Well, they say the perks are attractive, but they all the master always gets killed by the apprentice <laughs> if somebody right. else doesn't kill the master <laughs> first. So, like, historically, you're making a big mistake (laughs) jumping into it that nobody seems to make the connection. But I I really think that Tarkin is the main Imperial evil in this movie. So, um, you know, without him, this, uh, you know, the story doesn't work as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the people griping about Tarkin, suck it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but no, I think think he's a, I think he's a good, the, the, the product manager villain is a good villain. For, right for the type of movie this is yeah um an interesting tidbit if people were swinging lightsabers then yeah you then you need somebody else that can stand up to lightsabers yeah. this is this is a much smaller playing field than space wizardry yeah interesting uh, tidbit about Krennic though um looking at a new hope after you see this movie you realize one of the chairs in the meeting room where Vader force chokes one of the people in the Imperial forces, the main leaders, mm-hmm. uh, they're having that conference or whatever, and Tarkin's in the room. Mm-hmm. One of the chairs is empty, so they're saying that that chair was Krennic's chair. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they just didn't have somebody to sit in that chair. Well, as you see, yeah, but after the fact, you can look at the old movies and be yeah. like, oh, this goes there, yeah, this goes there. I mean, obviously, nobody thought of Krennic when they made Right. Yeah, movie in exactly. 1977. Uh, and this wasn't uh, written by Lucas, so... True. The other um, thing with with Krennic, or like going back to the space wizardry and like how the villains are on different playing fields, that was highlighted really well by Vader at the end. Because that's when like hope is basically gone. There's no standing up to like this kind of threat. Like we can we can steal plans, we can blow up people that are shooting at us with laser guns, but when like somebody like formidable comes up, we're we're fucked. Right. So it's yeah, it's a completely different tone. Like if Vader if Vader had been on there from day one, then you wouldn't have a movie at all. Right. Uh that's a great point. I think I I was cool to see Vader. I don't know that he's absolutely necessary until the end. He's not. He's not even necessary. I think I actually think that entire ending scene, while it's cool, it's unnecessary to the movie. Yeah. I think uh, I think it's. I, it was a cool bookend, though. You know what I mean? It is, and like yeah, even the scene where he gets where Krennic gets choked by Vader isn't really necessary, but it is cool to see. Uh, Vader's palace on right. Mustafar. Right. I think it's on Mustafar. Um, because I've always like heard it referred to, but I've never seen it before. Yeah. And it's part of the lore. So mm-hmm. um original concepts were used for that. Mm-hmm. Uh I can't remember what the artist name I've was. So you did all the matte paintings. Ralph, but... Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah, that's it. Uh what what time are we at? Uh I don't know. It's like three hours and eight minutes for oh. the entire <laughs> Oh, okay. It's it, it all been one thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's do let's do ten more minutes, and then 
That's, cor- it. That's it? I can ramble no, on No, no, no. I have a whole bunch more stuff. Oh, okay. I just, um... I mean, if you want to do the entire, both of the Star Wars episodes tonight, we can. Oh, you're doing two Star Wars episodes? Well, I mean, I don't. I just don't know how long this is going to go. That's the thing. Okay. So well, if, if we want to, if we want to stop Star Wars now and then, like, do another Star Wars episode with other people, that's fine. Or if you're talking about recording everything now and releasing it as two episodes, that's. However, I don't know how you want to do this. I, I just don't want to go on. too late. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because we've already been doing this for quite a while. <laughs> I don't want to take you guys this entire evening. Well, it's too late for that. It's 9.30. Uh, <laughs> so. Damn, you're right. Um, let me look at this real quick. One of the things I really enjoyed about this movie is the way it looked. Mm-hmm. I really like the way they captured the the 70s era style that they did 70s era style the way the actors looked in the 70s for Star Wars they were able to replicate that in uh, in Rogue One and have it not look cheesy yeah well they didn't do the pre- thing the prequels did which is like make everything look new and shiny where, right. instead right. of how the old movies looked mm-hmm. which is like they it was ragtag when they were making the movie so they're like mm-hmm. throwing shit together but like all, the, all the people with the uh all the people leading the rebellion had the same kind of hairstyles and yep. like just the mustache and yep. things like that. And it's like it was it was pretty cool. It all fits together it a lot fit together better. together very well. Uh we'll uh let's do Jetta and then we'll cut off there and do the rest of the movie at a later. Okay. Thing. Okay, so uh early moments of the movie the uh, I'm I don't know if they ever even said what the planet was where the Urso farm was, but uh, Krennic is uh, in the in this scene he's you, you're led to believe he's sort of this ominous guy. You know what I mean? Like this uh, guy who's a little more evil than he turns out to be, or that like you see him as later over well, the movie. Well, they kind of make him out to be like him and uh, Galen were friends once. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he knows all about his family and stuff, so right. you, you're, you're kind of uh, foreshadowing a little bit mm-hmm. with this early scene. Uh, interesting thing they threw in there was uh, Jin, as a child, drops a Stormtrooper doll, which I mm-hmm. thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You never really have seen anything like that, like right. kids' toys that look like Empire stuff. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's the other thing where we where I was where we were talking about before. It's like nobody thinks they're evil. Like you don't take a yeah. job at. Well, it's sort of like the group think uh, Nazi mentality, like the Germans, right? Um, right, and the, then and the then, innocent Germans just went along with it. Uh, they didn't know until it was yeah way right, too late. and then like Galen found out and he jumped ship. Mm-hmm. So. So, uh, on the moon Jetta, though, uh, we see the cameo of the perturbed tattooing cantina aliens, uh, <laughs> Dr. Cornelius Evazan and Panda Baba. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool, even though it definitely is fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they make a career of being perturbed that way. <laughs> uh, backgrounds are full of Easter eggs and unmentioned background aliens in this movie. Because of how fast that scene went, do you think you uh, you would even notice if he didn't say, you watch yourself? No, I... Uh, well, okay, they had that line, and they focused on him. Mm-hmm. I was kind of, I did find myself kind of spanning, scanning the background sometimes okay. just to see like what kind of stuff they buried in there. But uh, it was cool to see them because they're too iconic. Did you, side characters mm-hmm. I didn't I don't know if like this is later in the movie and I know you're like on Jetta right now but yeah. did you catch the uh, the Phantom Menace reference uh, what was the Phantom Men- Menace reference when uh, they're getting ready when they're when they're in the re- rebel uh, dock mm-hmm. there's an announcement for General Sebulba oh really I did not catch that that's awesome uh, I have a more complete knowledge <laughs> I like that uh, let's see Examples of the aliens taken and uh, droids and stuff taken are the Empire uh, drobe probe droid from Hoth is in the background of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the calamari or the uh, Akbar aliens for the layman mm-hmm. 
We're uh, we're in this movie commanding a rebel ship. Uh, in the very earliest moments of the movie, not on Jetta, but uh, there's blue milk in their house. Oh yeah, uh, on the farmhouse. Um, I, don't I liked. What, uh, I they, don't know what animal blue milk comes from. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Ask me one you can the get Navi. on the desert. Yeah, <laughs> you're milking the Navi. <laughs> oh. uh, I did like like the aesthetic of the background in Jetta is like grimy and dirty, mm-hmm. and actually like the gates in between um, some of the um, areas and prison cells and stuff are like exactly the same as is like is on Tatooine at Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, only a super fan would notice little stuff like that, but I'm, like I said, I was constantly scanning around. Um, the U-wing ship they take to Jeddah is like uh, the minivan of ships. <laughs> <laughs> it has like a sliding door on the bottom side mm-hmm. with like a window in it that I thought was kind of cool. And like I said, this is all just like random thoughts that I threw together. Um, Jeddah battles remind me of like the Iraq War footage or like movie Black Hawk Down, something mm-hmm. like that. Where they're, it's real close quarters, like s- sort of side streety, mm-hmm. yeah. not no pavement or anything like that. It's all sand everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminded me of Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark, actually. Some of those fight scenes and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Sword fight versus gun totally. thing. <laughs> uh, let's see here. The uh, Imperial tank was really cool. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um. That definitely took me by surprise and de- didn't expect to see something so, like, real-worldy wo- mm-hmm. in this. But, uh... And they use the same kind of stuff that, like, a guerrilla war would use, which is, like, the sticky bomb sort of yeah. thing. They throw them up again. Of course, it's not the same as, like, uh, Saving Private Ryan or something. But it super reminded me of stuff like that. And you yeah. know that they watched those kind of movies when they were planning mm-hmm. all this. Yeah. Um, But all those, like, quick cuts... Super close-ups, low-to-the-ground camera shots. I love all of that stuff. Um, de- super action movie kind of stuff going yeah. on, you know. Uh, let's see. Less, I think this battle on Jetta was like less like an epic fight. More down and dirty, like I said. Um, exactly what rebel troops would be doing in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would hide and fight when the right moments came. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and that's exactly what happens when they're on Jetta. They ambush that tank when the right moment is has sprung up. You know what I mean? They're completely surrounding him in this little this little alleyway or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's the one thing about being a rebel. You're always outgunned, right. so that's that's how you have to fight. Uh, and uh, they did a really good job of making that the focus of most of these battles. Mm-hmm. Besides the last battle, obviously it's a space battle. It's a little different. Yeah. Uh, and uh, at, um, well, we'll get into that later, I guess. Um, Rebel ship taking off from Jetta is one. It's like a classic shot from A New Hope or from Empire or Jedi, where there's the guy standing in that little bucket thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminds me of like an electrician's bucket on a truck or something, mm-hmm. and he's watching him take off from the the base, the secret base. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a fan service maybe, but still a cool shot. Uh, the first time that they uh, they jump to hyperspace, and I it probably I, I don't know if it's around this time or not, but they uh, he says punch it, so that's taken straight from Star Wars old movies. Cassian mm-hmm. does. Uh, and the, it's the only Star Wars movie since uh, Empire to have that um, the hyperspace shot where the stars streak towards you. Right. They haven't done that since oh. since the old movie. So that was kind of cool to see you return. Oh, yeah, because the hyperdrive was always broken. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think they... I, I think there is some fan service, but not as much to the older films, and that's because the older actors aren't in this one. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like a lot of Force Awakens, there is some shooing in of old characters. Because they had to, and not because it services the movie. I don't know. They, uh... 
Force Awakens shoot in people that were integral to the story. Well, yeah, but uh, I I felt like like I don't was... think any of the original trilogy people were crowbarred in. Probably not. Now that I think about it, but I think uh, there was a feeling before Force Awakens like there had to be more old characters, and this kind this movie because it's because it's not involving. Well, there is a couple of them that show up, of course, because mm. of CG and stuff. But um, it when I went in this movie, I didn't feel like they had to be there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I like in Force Awakens, you feel you go in knowing like, okay, those characters better be there, or I'm going to be disappointed, and they better not be there in just like a tiny little scene or something like that. Well, two of them were. Who's that? Leia and Luke. They're not very. Pro- I mean, well, Leia's, yeah, I guess not. Leia's not very. Leia's more prominent, yeah. but she's not as like she's not really. But integral. Luke, uh, and but, she's she's pretty much only there because Han's there, and Han's only there because the main villain is his son. Yeah, but but with Luke's and case, because people wanted to see the Millennium. Falcon. Luke's case, we don't know why they only put him in the end of that movie. You know what I mean? Like until we find out more about his story mm-hmm. and how he integrates with the other characters, you don't really know. So, um, let's see. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's eye is distracting. <laughs> I don't know why I put that, but I did. I'll tell you a couple things that were definitely shoehorned in. And they were, they were things that I thought were like cute at the time. And then as I thought about them more, they pissed me off. It's during the space battle. The inclusion of Red and Gold Leader. Yeah. That annoyed me. It did? Because they could have had different people be red and gold leader and nobody would have noticed. Yeah. Now, if you watch these in chronological order, you're going to notice that they just lifted those shots from the next movie you're going to watch. Well, those are B, those are uh, B real. Those are not shots that were used in the old movies, but close. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, they're, they're, just separate, they're just other takes okay. that they didn't use. But uh, I'll half agree because I... The Star Wars fan in me was excited to see mm-hmm. them again. I thought it was cool at first. And I was like, uh, after like two looking days back later, on it, two days later, I'm like, oh, that was kind of lame. I when that happened, uh, some fellow audience members were freaking out, maybe a little too much. They were like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" I was like, "Wow, um, that it's cool, but uh, you it's not down. that cool." Settle down. The other, <laughs> the other really unnecessary thing was Red Five. Yeah. I'm Red 5, I need help. Well, you're just there to blow up so we can see that they have an opening on Red 5 when Luke shows up right. in the next movie. It's like, well, that didn't add anything. Uh, on Jeddah, we find out that the Kyber crystals are being stolen by the Empire because they powered the Death Star. Um, this was apparently a thing in Star Wars The Clone Wars, which I am not familiar with. So they're bringing back... They're bringing in stuff from the TV shows that I have not watched, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. But um, to the casual fan, like I don't, it, it they're just kind of like uh, some a plot device. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know they use crystals to power lightsabers, but yeah, other than that, I didn't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, you know, maybe we're <laughs> maybe we're the lesser knowledgeable Star Wars fans in this case. We probably, I mean, there's probably much more knowledgeable Star Wars fans than you and I. Actually, you're right. Oh, God, Stuart. (laughs) Stuart Wars. I'm not bringing him back. Uh, (laughs) At least not for now. Uh, And finally, the last thing I had on Jetta was that uh, Death Star... What? The Death Star fires a concentrated blast on Jetta Capital City... Guerrero dies there, but uh, he was apparently dying anyway because of like this apparatus shit yeah. mm-hmm. that he had on him. And uh, that will conclude this section of the Star Wars discussion. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for joining me, and uh, we'll save the plugs for the next the next part of this. All right. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Cue the theme, Tim. Not that theme, Rush. Oh, Rush One. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's my cat again. 
you thought this episode was over, but no, we have a little bit of bonus content here. Bonus. Uh, before we conclude this podcast, um, wanted to throw a little something in here. So Jordan, uh, unfortunately, had not seen Rogue One before we did this recording. He had to leave ahead of us recording this podcast. So, uh, before he did, he shared a little story about his search for a Slave Leia action figure in 1997. That's when they did the uh, Star Wars Special Edition in theaters. Later on VHS, which I have to this day. I'm pretty sure I had the Slave Leia action figure too. Anyway, here's Jordan. See you next time. And that's where I'll cut. We got a baby shoe. That's where I'll cut there. Okay. Now I'm going to start the next thing that is probably going to go badly. <laughs> Tell me things, about your most awkward sexual experience. Things going Tim, bad. go. Things going badly is another name for a podcast. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that did die. I was right. That's okay. Man. First Carrie Fisher, now the camera. You're really bumming me out. <laughs> Do you know how hard I tried to find the action figure in the golden bikini like during the re-release in the 90s? Mm-hmm. Really hard. <laughs> really hard. Huge Carrie Fisher fan. Got all the other figures easily enough. All the horny ass nerds wanted that one. <laughs> Guess who finally got it? This guy. Spent three hundred dollars. No, 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 no. My brother worked at Walmart and he dug through every toy shipment. Got and it. He got it. Wow. And guess whose kids fucking broke it? Oh. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm a little over her now. Now that I know that she's not. Now that I know she's not black. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh. <laughs> now right. that I'm more mature and don't need cinematographic icons. Right. To... Go ahead. Where your kid's like, this sets up an unrealistic expectation of women. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how it went. <laughs> Actually, they set up a scene where Leia was just getting dressed and Han broke through the door. And then it was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. This is going to be an edit point for Chris Nays listening later. 